Hello and welcome to SN Hell. My name is Keith. With me, as always, my good buddy Matt. Hello, Matt. Hello, Keith. How are things? Things are pretty good. You know, I had brunch with people in their 30s today, and I oh, realized wow. how much I like hanging out with people in their 20s and their 40s, but not their 30s. <laughs> you know, like it's when you're when you're in your 20s, you know your life doesn't matter. And when you're in your 40s, you know your life doesn't matter. But there's something about your 30s where you have this glimpse that your life matters. Fuck that. Yeah, I had uh, I had lunch alone today, actually. <laughs> Which is preferential to that. I think a nice, quiet, private lunch is not so bad. Tonight, we are listing our top 15 sketches from season two. Because we're going top 15, I have uh, consolidated some sketches. I hope that's fine. Sure. You know, we, we, we've not always been bullish on the show, but I think one thing we have been steady about is that the high points in this season were high. Not to be off topic, Keith, but I was speaking to somebody on this very day that we are recording that was surprised that we are friends based on our disagreements with the show and how all <laughs> over the place they seem to be. And uh, this person said to me, hey, uh, your co-host, like, do you guys get along? And I said, I get along with my co-host perhaps better than I've got along with anybody in my entire life, sir. And he said, well, it's just really interesting to hear you guys say, I love this. I, I You know, you loved that, but I fucking hated it. And uh, but I mean, this is this is the genius of the show. Politically, we, we've merged over the years. But when we first met, we had very different political views. Mm. And when you're disagreeing on stuff that matters <laughs> in people's day to day life and then, you know, 20 years later, you get together arguing about whether whether a Boz Skaggs performance is excellent or, or, or not, you know, <laughs> that's a pretty that's a pretty easy one to, to get along. Or, or a, a Paul Simon song is, is half decent. Yeah. You know, you know, you know. But yes, get along quite well. Uh, always have um, and probably always will. I reckon. Different enough to be good pals. Yeah. And, and I don't know, Matt, like even when we disagree, like, and it's usually music related on this show. Mm. Um, but I mean, I know where you're coming from and, and uh, maybe there's in this world, maybe there's too many people that say we disagree on this one issue and therefore we can't be associates, you know? Madness. This show is a public service. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, number 15 favorite sketch. Number 15 for me, Debate 76. I am uh, absorbing Lily Tomlin's and Karen Black's into this uh, suggested number 15. I thought Ford and Carter were brilliant. I thought Lily was serviceable in her role. I thought Karen Black showed a madness that is exactly what I expect from Karen Black based on knowing her from horror movies. Chase's Ford, as we've uh, discussed in previous episodes, is a real high point for me. Was there one of the two that you preferred? I know they were very similar. Yeah, I liked Karen Black's because Karen Black is fucking insane. Yeah, and in that one, I think Garrett and Belushi ramped it up a bit more. My number 15, also kind of from the political spectrum, it's uh, from the Julian Bond episode. It was Black Perspectives, and that's the one where Garrett and Julian were talking, and, and, and Julian said that light-skinned black people were more intelligent than dark-skinned black people. Really, really enjoyed the way that was done. Loved the fact that it was an actual civil rights activist saying this stuff. Years later, Bond sort of second-guessed elements of that episode and that sketch, 
But for what it was at the time and for Garrett's over the top, awesome reactions, I really enjoyed Black Perspectives. So that's number 15 for me. That was really it was really tight. I have this like Black Perspective is like on that, you know, when you're making a list, you got that side page of your options. Yeah. I I didn't love the Julian Bond episode, but that sketch is legendary. What's your number 14? My number 14, again, a bit of a cumulative effort and uh, not to, you know, Keith, I know you're a little more fastidious with the formats and such. I went with Weekend Update. And I want to justify it by the fact that Jane Curtin has made Weekend Update her own vehicle and that she's owning it in a way that Chevy Chase never did. Not all the jokes are a success. Jane absolutely carries it from start to finish. You know, plus she opened her shirt that time. Come on. (laughs) My number 14 is actually from the last episode of the season with Buck Henry. So how your children grow. Buck says something. Gilda does the punctuation. Lorraine rings the bell and Jane gets a cookie until she doesn't. Adored this sketch. Really well done. Really well written. Really smart. Really well performed. Wasn't on my list, but but with the, you know, some of the hotness of the sketches this season... I mean, we can't pick them all, but damn, that is a good one. And that uh, that that is one that I perhaps should have recognized a little more, perhaps not. But uh, yeah, it wasn't on my radar, but goodness, what a good choice. What's your number 13? My number 13 is Behind the Lines, the Nazi sketch with Eric Idle. Yeah. I love when uh, SNL is ambitious. This did not feel like an SNL sketch. And while I don't enjoy how his episodes don't really feel like SNL episodes, you know, in, in small doses, that would have been okay. And this is a very ambitious sketch that was delivered in a small dose that really made Eric Idle the star. He got to exhibit those wacky Monty Python facial expressions. And this is just, you know, this is just subject matter that I'm generally interested in. It was like something out of Inglorious Bastards. My number 13, Chevy's Girls, the song. I, I love the backstory as much as I love. I mean, I thought that the women were great in the song. But the backstory is what puts it over for me. Jane Lorraine and uh, and Gilda doing this Phil Spector sound written by Paul Schaefer and Marilyn Miller. Number 12, Matt. My next one is the Batomatic, which I thought was a suitable follow-up. I mean, the Batomatic is one of the best Saturday Night Live sketches of all time. And, you know, is this a weird retread? Yes, a little bit. But I, you know, for me, it was the Bassomatic was such a hit that I expect a sequel. And I thought there was enough jokes to make it float. And I thought Dan Aykroyd just continued to be really successful in the role. And Bassomatic was your number one last year. My number 12 is probably my dark horse. And sometimes you're watching something and saying, did they write this sketch for people like me? (laughs) Yes, was that one. And it's uh, Women in Literature. So Lorraine plays Elna Sullivan, who is writing in her diary, and she spent the day with Picasso, and she spent the day with Hemingway. All her writings are about, like, we went to the Eiffel Tower and my shoes hurt. I had lots of fun, lots and lots of fun. And that's basically the sketch. Um, Lorraine's voice was hilarious. Dan was doing some voiceover on it. It's very contemporary to me, where we're living through such interesting times, and yet people will take pictures of their food and and post it on on Facebook for the world to see, as well as just hilarious performances by Lorraine and Dan. Number 11. My next one is the Tomorrow Show with Tom Snyder. No surprise here, I think. 
Uh, I'd like to call out specifically the episodes with Paul Simon and uh, quote unquote Dino um, DeLornitis and thought Dan's Tom is just such a brilliant representation of who he is. The guests are the guests. I thought Paul and John Belushi did good playing off of Dan, but this is, uh, yeah, this is a perfect parody of the late night talk show for me. I loved it. My number 11, he already mentioned it, Behind Enemy Lines, or Nazi Spies, as we called it at the time, Eric Idle and Dan Aykroyd. The thing that really put that over was the production values for me, how they made their stage with very little props and sets look like a, a 1940s club. It was hilarious. Eric Idle, I remember us really <laughs> enjoying him walking into the uh, the Nazi bar dressed as a, a shepherd but was obviously a fish out of water Brit. Um, the performances were good. Lorraine singing was good. It had that very big uh, ending. I think it was the song from uh, Cabaret. This would have been actually much higher, and it was much higher until I remembered and then rewatched that the ending was flat with, uh, with Belushi's quote-unquote punchline. Number 10, Matt? Jack Burns' monologue is my next choice. What a weird weird monologue. I cannot imagine what it was like to write a monologue for this man who was insistent on making the jokes that he made, which obviously came from him and not the the writers, in my opinion, especially that joke where he was going to touch himself. And and then he proceeded to touch himself uh, (laughs) in, in a way that only Jack can. I just, I mean, you know how I feel about this guy. This was a really anomalous episode that hit me in a weird way in season two. And I thought his monologue was one of the best parts. Yeah. Yeah. That one stuck with you. And, and that's another thing about some of these sketches, why they're, why they're top 15 is, is that they stuck with us for one reason or another in a positive way. Right. Yeah, exactly. And kind of like what I said about uh, Chase's Ford is that I, you know, even when I walked away from it, it, it came with me and, and Jack's monologue came with me too. Yeah. My number 10, it's a, it's a, it's a film sort of, well, it's a film. Yeah. It's the Judith Beasley film from the Lily Tomlin episode where Dan Aykroyd was playing a pitch man and was getting her to do all this wacky stuff, putting jam on her husband's suit, resand the floors of a gym, walk through a grocery store with a hamster head. It's got our, that really wacky picture of Dan's face smiling mm-hmm. in, a, in an evil way. Um, that one, and I'll be honest, this one, I've been, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't on the list until I rewatched the show and just saw how absolutely ridiculous it was. Little bonus too. It also was the uh, first time the antler dance was done. Uh, really enjoyed this. Number nine. My next choice is Fern and Lisa, which is the Candace Bergen, Gilda Radner sketch that was, uh, famously fell apart for lack of a better way to put it. Uh, Candace is a professional and carried it wonderfully. But what really struck me about this sketch is just how well Gilda was in charge. And this is a woman like at this point, we're only on season two. It's not like she has a fucking decade of TV experience, but holy shit, the, just the professionalism that I saw mm-hmm. from both of them in that sketch, perhaps more Gilda as Candace just continued to chuckle in the background. But uh, I was really so hyper impressed with how Gilda just carried on the sketch, made a joke 
about something that's not in the script, made a joke about Candace's flub, and then continued to keep going and just really showed us what kind of performer she really is. And, you know, uh, I it's important for me to call that out in particular because I think I, I'm pretty hard on Gilda in season one yeah. and two, wondering, like, where's the magic? Where's the magic? Because I hear all about this magic. Yeah, no, that was a good, good moment. Didn't make my list, and it's one that I was kind of sad didn't make it. My number nine, I don't think you were a fan of this. You certainly didn't like it as much as I did, was the Battle of Britain from the Eric Idle, second Eric Idle, um, where uh, Dan Aykroyd was writing a letter home to Gilda about the night they said goodbye in her parlor. And then the ground crew was there and his two uh, co-pilot and navigator were there. And then Herman Goering was there. Mm-hmm. Um It was just nice and ridiculous, repetitive as hell, probably a lot wrong with it. But my God, I laughed through that whole thing and and just really, really enjoyed it. I definitely liked it. Okay, I think maybe it felt a bit Python for me or something. I don't know. But uh, which is why maybe it was off my radar. Uh, I I remember enjoying it. But uh, yeah, it just wasn't the home run it was for you. Number eight. My next one is Shower Mike with Bill Murray. Uh, star making performance. I really enjoyed Buck Henry in it. Like again, we talked about Buck Henry just showing up with his hands in his pockets and just being in the show. I thought this was a good example of that. And I thought Bill Bill's charisma is just so off the charts here that this is and you know it really is a star making performance. You, you look at this and you're like, holy shit, we got to do more with this. Number eight for me. Ask President Carter. Had Bill Murray as Walter Cronkite. Had. Uh, Dan Aykroyd is Jimmy Carter, of course, and people were phoning in with their problems and had the one guy calling in who was on an, an acid trip. Loved it. Loved this ep- Loved this sketch. Thought it was really good. It then segued into a, a pretty terrible sketch uh, with uh, with Garrett and Sissy Spacek. But uh, but separating the two sketches uh, as President Carter was quite, uh, quite great. Number seven. Next for me, again, no surprises based on my previous lists, but my my, uh, my number seven is Consumer Probe with Candace nice. Bergen and Irwin Mainway. Uh, I thought this this is highlight reel type SNL. Uh, Candace is, again, my favorite host of the season, a consummate professional. So this is a perfect role for her. And it really lets Dan shine and her shine in her own professional way. But I mean, really, the sketch is about Dan and just the absolute chaos and violence and horror that he brings to children every year. You know, Consumer Probe, I'm I'm hard on it because it's not the next one. You know, I'm not going to get into that one yet, but I just find the other one so great that this one always slips under my radar. Hmm. Number seven for me is the most unfortunate sketch of the year because we all loved it. None of us picked it as our favorite, but it has stuck with me. If any of them stuck with me and wouldn't leave my brain all year, it's the snake handling O'Shea's Mm. parody of, you know, your typical Norman Lear sitcom. Extremely well done. So bizarre and so weird. Great little theme song that the uh, band wrote and performed. Um, To me, this was almost a total package sketch. I I really enjoyed this. Plus, they had the uh, opening bit with Norman Lear and uh, Tom Schiller as one of his writers. Um, Really enjoyed that one. Snake handling O'Shea's. I know Chili and you and I were like, none of us picked it as our favorite, but we we all liked it. Um, I remember liking it okay. It certainly wouldn't have made my list. 
Um, but I mean, I, I certainly understand your reasoning. It stuck with me. You know, it's another one that, you know, it just triggered part of my brain that I've gone back and rewatched it a few times and, and, and have enjoyed it immensely every time. Number six, Matt. My next one is Gags Beasley. Wow. Yeah. What a shocker. Isn't it a shocker? I knew it would yeah. be. Uh, this is, of course, to remind you, uh, Jack comes in as a drunken asshole and tries to talk to two ladies. Gags Beasley is a man that I feel like I know. A Gags is a man I feel like I have met. And Jack did it so well in a episode in an episode excuse me where i think that snl is just trying some various non-sentient life forms for comedy they programmed this exactly they knew that you know what i felt like they spent some time with jack before they wrote this and then after spending a couple of days with jack they're like this motherfucker can do this Let's rip it off for him <laughs> yeah. because this motherfucker is Gags Beasley. And he did it so well. I really thought he showed some chops. And there was some, you know, the, the discomfort on the other end was palpable. And it's almost not funny. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it was on late in the show. And it's the risk that I appreciate and accept. And I, yeah, I really, it was a home run for me. I liked Gags Beasley. And behind the scenes, there's about, 15 minutes of cut audio of Matt and Rebecca and I talking about this sketch and how it makes people, how people like gags make people feel. And even Matt and I wondering if we've been gags Beasley at different Ooh. times. My number six is the complete opposite of gags Beasley in many ways. It's the, um, it's my first monologue to make the list and it's, uh, Paul Simon dressed as a turkey. Highlight reel stuff. Paul Simon showed great comic timing on this. To see him in the ridiculous turkey costume singing still crazy after all these years. Hilarious. Um, and especially following the, uh, the cold open they used as well. Good for them and good for Paul Simon, whose music I cannot stand in the slightest. So, you know, when I see him on the screen, it's going to be hard to win me over. But, you know, he came out in that turkey outfit and he sold it so well and he was so miserable. I uh, It was definitely on my radar for list contention. I enjoyed it a great deal. And now we're into top five, Matt. You excited? I'm nervous. Yeah. I, now, full disclosure, I think my top five weren't going to change. Like my top five were my top five. Everything under that was was good, but didn't have the impact that my top five had, if that makes sense to anyone. I think so. Like I kind of knew my top five was going to be my top five. Yeah, I get that. Okay. Number five, Matt. For me, TV execution. Wow. Really? Another really? shocker. Uh, so... Two performances in particular, Bill Murray as the director trying to get the execution on TV, Dan Aykroyd as the absolutely checked out warden who just wants to kill his guy, selling it every step of the way. Bill kissing every crew member. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. We need some more makeup on your face there. Hey, the cue cards. The cue cards are fucked up. Uh, this was really dystopian. And I, it was very running man. And it's where I feel 
fucking TV might be headed in the future. And so I appreciated the ambition. I appreciated that the chair, I believe it was called the Fry King. That's fucking obscene. Um, (laughs) And this is, I mean, this is you, this is modern USA foretold, you know, on top of the performances by Bill and Dan, which just made me laugh. uh, It really hit home in a very different way too. Yeah, it was only Bill Murray's second sketch, I think. Wow. And they also integrated the, uh, they brought the musical guest in for that one too, where the George Benson played a priest for like two seconds. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, Much of, to Bill's chagrin that. that he was a black priest in Texas. I think Tom Schiller filled in for Belushi as the execute E. So yeah, it was a good one. My number five is, uh, it was from the Shelley Duvall episode. Um, one that we really all loved and talked about was the costume bank robbery where Dan was dressed as the insect mm-hmm. and nobody knew what he was. Had a, a great kids in the hall vibe to it, but uh, but it was just a strong sketch that I really got a big kick out of. It has that element I mentioned during the show where, you know, you're in a life and death situation, but you're going to worry about the mundane. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, thought, I thought that was a pretty good one. And Dan was stellar, as was the whole cast of that one. What's your number four, Matt? My next pick on the list is Long Distance, starring Bill Murray. That was his first sketch. Uh, His portrayal of this old man had me in stitches. The progression of his, oh yeah, he'll call soon. Oh yeah, you know, maybe other people don't like him. Oh yeah, wouldn't it be great if he died? The the, the frustration <laughs> that builds and builds for, and he's done. He does an old man voice in the mannerisms so well. It's a commercial. They're talking about the phone company, but just yeah, the escalation. Like you know, maybe there's something wrong with him. I don't think he has any friends. Uh, any friends he certainly has are probably just his friends because of that $800 watch I gave him. Yeah. And I just, I thought it was brilliant writing for one guy to just sit there for a few minutes. Like this is, that's pure comedy to have one man just sit there and talk, but it feels yeah. like an ambitious sketch. It's not an ambitious sketch. It's a fucking dude being an old dude in front of a phone. Uh, so to make that feel funny and interesting, that was, that was a genius stroke for me. Loved this. My number four is uh, the Tomorrow Show with Paul Simon, where Tom Snyder has just all these bizarre questions. It was stellar performance by Aykroyd. Amazing job by Paul Simon. And I think the little extra bonus is, even though Tom Snyder is asking these weird questions like, well, one of you guys has a Japanese wife. You, You knew what Snyder was talking about, and you knew where he was wrong, And Paul Simon even knew where he was wrong, but Tom Snyder had no clue where he was wrong. You know, it's a great impression. They even have the set looking half decent, like kind of like it enough that you you buy it. So this was really good. And just we've talked about Tom Snyder Mm -hmm. a lot on the show because the impression pops up and certainly leaves a mark. But yeah, this particular sketch was the one that put it over the top for me. What's your number three, Matt? My next entry is the Coneheads sketches. This is, uh, and these things are legendary for a reason. When I saw the movie as a youth, maybe I didn't quite get it because the movie was a bit of a cash-in. But to go back and watch these sketches, uh, maybe because of the movie, my expectations were a little turned down even. But holy shit, I cannot believe how funny these things are and how 
versatile they can make these characters in such a short amount of time. Dan Aykroyd, we know, is just, you know, I almost feel like it's cheating. We just know he's good at this. So, you know, the big things for me. And Lorraine and Jane really make me pay attention to these sketches, especially Jane, who is, in my opinion, you know, she's the classic straight woman. Uh, but her doing this character and consuming mass quantities and speaking to people in this regard, it's so out of character with her that I can't take my eyes off her. And Lorraine is so good as Connie, almost the, the one in the worst position, trying to figure out in her youth a way to to get around this crazy world. They're ambitious, they're clever, and the performances are off the chart. I pretty much love every Conehead. I don't love every, you know, all the, that time they had Belushi and Garrett in it was stupid. Yeah. I didn't yeah. like that shit. But I always love those three doing their shtick. Was there any one in particular that jumps out, just out of curiosity? The Steve Martin one was really good. Yeah. Um, number three for me, it's on my, it's my one major commercial entry for this year quarry <laughs> and i know you have a minor issue with quarry but uh jane talking about the cereal made of rocks um there's a lot of nostalgia with this one it's one of the first retro commercials i ever saw um and it was even retro back then um but uh this quarry <laughs> freaking quarry i absolutely love it um makes me laugh every time i see it i liked it too i just and you know just to address your point, I think they should have bled from the mouth. Yeah, I think Chili thought it, that they should have broken teeth. So maybe I'm missing something, but uh, I, I I just love the, the seriousness of the whole thing. What's your number two, Matt? My number two, perhaps not a surprise to you, Keith, is called Reunion. And it is the sketch with Dan Aykroyd at the, we call it lunch counter, I believe, uh, amongst ourselves. And can I interrupt and tell you that my number two is also the lunch counter? Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Yes, please. First of all, it's brilliant writing. It's real. I feel like this actually happened. This is a absolute slice of life uh, for people. Dan Aykroyd disappears into a character per usual. We have the disgruntled female. The jokes are spot on. It's almost too good. You know, I mentioned earlier that Nixon's a little too on the nose for me. In a way, this is almost a little too on the nose. You know, maybe in my life I've been the Dan guy. Maybe in you know at some point in my life I've been the you know the the accosted female. But it's just it's the kind of brilliant slice of life that I almost I didn't expect to see it. It was really I thought mm-hmm. a genius sketch. Yeah, Marilyn Miller wrote it. Um, it's probably the highlight of her stuff, though other folks have. Uh, the highlight thus far, a lot of uh, some other folks have suggested other sketches, but I think this one was pretty brilliant. I'm actually surprised it's not your number one. The performances were were, were both real and great. It's so good. Deals with a lot that's not overtly spoken about, too. Um, works on a few levels. Really enjoyed this. It's memorable. I've seen people online talk about the lunch counter sketch. I can only recommend people watch it. It's uh, it's not what we know from Saturday Night Live. All right, Matt, number one. Number one for me, How Your Children Grow, starring Jane Curtin and Bill Murray. Uh, is this my favorite sketch? That's true. You're absolutely right. I thought <laughs> this was a sketch that showed how brilliant comedy can be in a bubble, how it can be 
simple, but also fucking genius. Like the, every question he's asked is perfect. His mounting frustration. And then it just goes away. It, it's all perfect. The fact that he wrote a book and you're like, what the fuck did you write, man? Uh, it's all just perfect. The performances are subtle and nuanced. The jokes are sharp. The sketch is brief and to the point. It is exactly what I think makes a successful SNL sketch. I've watched it a million times, Keith. I really think this is something special out of this season. Wasn't even on my radar, to be honest. But uh, I know you really loved it that night. And you you were a fan of both How Your Children Grow. Mm -hmm. My number one is number one for so many different reasons that I couldn't not make it number one. Do you know what it is, Matt? Have I, you? I don't know. It's the Coneheads meet the Farbers. Mm, right. And now, of course, as soon as you say it, I know. Yeah. Um, so we've got two sets of characters. It's almost like a crossover. And it's so well done. It's, it's Conehead madness at its finest. But it's also... And maybe the star of this, the true star of this one might actually be Belushi, who's playing an understated guy, the Farb man, like no smoking at the Farber's house. And just it's 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 a reverse. It's almost a reversal of roles where where, where Dan is mad and wild and Belushi is is laid back. You have, you know, five of the the cast in this sketch, all of them firing on all cylinders then you have that excellent bit at the end where they jump out the window and Jane sort of slips a little bit and Dan just, he's like a missile the way he takes that window. <laughs> um, and they're running from a hairdryer. Uh, there's a lot of like little lines in there that you get your, your joke about. But I mean, the whole thing is that these are aliens visiting their neighbors for the first time. Um, perfect setup, perfectly done. And then the part that really puts it over for me in a maybe a maybe a more personal way is at the end after the coneheads have jumped out the window, Gilda and Belushi break and they have this quick moment where they they look at one another and and just kind of laugh, you know, out of character. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe perhaps because they're the two that have passed on, there's just something special about that certain little moment at the end. That, that gives it a bit of a, I don't want to say nostalgia, a sweetness maybe. I don't know. But to me, that segment is really everything top to bottom that you want from a good sketch. Plus the little, I guess, retrospective meta at the end. But uh, I've watched that sketch a lot. And, uh, you know, every time it gets from me what it's supposed to get, what any sketch should get, I think. Um, with a little bonus at the end. That's my number one, Coneheads Meet the Farbers. I mean, you know how I feel about the Coneheads. It's literally classic SNL. The Farbers are a little less on my radar, but uh, the, it was the perfect pairing. And I mean, your description was was spot on with the with the little wink. I I never I never would have thought of that. Yeah, there was I don't know something about it that's kind of cute is the word that keeps popping in my head, but I don't know if if cute is, you know, they both died so young, you know, I don't mm. know if cute is the right word, but they have this special moment. And it was obvious that all five were truly enjoying themselves doing that sketch. 
kind of the best uh, the best you can ask for from a sketch. Mm-hmm. My 15, Matt's 15, a little bit the same. A lot of differences, though, Matt. Quite. I think, uh, you know, despite what is suggested to me externally, I, I think we are complementary of each other's opinions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, everything's going great here in Essen Hill. So I'm very much looking forward to doing this again in a, well, probably a few months for us, but a year's time, quote unquote, for season three, checking to see how season three's best match up with season two's best and season one's best as well. Do you remember your uh, top pick from last year? I don't. Will you remind us? Bassomatic. Oh, of course. You mentioned earlier Bassomatic. Shit. And mine was Nixon's final days. Yeah, I remember you liking Nixon's final days. If I were to compare Bassamat, you know what? I like my number one pick this season more than my number one pick last season. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, I think uh, it'd be hard for me to compare Coneheads Meet the Farbers to Nixon's final days. But but if, if, if I had to, I would. Maybe we'll do that sometime, Matt. We'll take our... Maybe after season five, we'll take our all our top tens and make a proper top ten. Yes, please. Well, thank you very much for listening. We are we are gearing up for season three. Super excited to get into that. I'm pumped. You know me. I am uh, looking forward to moving on. Not not you know away from this cast, but uh, I want to see how the show grows desperately. Yeah, yeah. You're looking forward to getting to the years where the music is better than the comedy. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so thanks very much for listening. If you can give us a like or a subscribe or a comment, let us know what your top 15 are. I know there's some super famous ones that didn't make either of our lists. Um, So yeah, we're gearing up for season three. But until then, we'll be making our lists and ranking our favorites here in SN Hill.